welcome to another episode of Downtime with the Cranston Public Library. We're a podcast for cool people who love libraries where we talk about what we've been reading, what we've been watching, and what we've been loving. I'm your host, Taylor, and the branch librarian at the Oakland Branch Library, and my pronouns are she, her. Hi, I'm Robin. I'm the branch librarian at the William Hall Library, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. I am a podcaster and author. I host By the Book, which is a show about self-help books. I also host Movie Therapy with Rafer and Kristen, which is a show that kind of blends an advice column and a movie and TV watch list assignment. And I also am the author of So You Want to Start a Podcast and the co-author of How to Be Fine. And my pronouns are also she, her. Welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you here um, as a self-proclaimed self-help book expert um, (laughs) with your podcast by the book where you talk all about self-help books so that will be what we'll talk about a little bit later in the show but first we'll start out the show as we always do with what have you both been currently reading I just finished reading Matthew McConaughey's memoir which is called Green Lights After hearing him interviewed on at least two of my favorite podcasts that I listen to on a regular basis, and I thought it sounded very interesting. I've never really thought of him as much more than an actor, but he has some very interesting life lessons to share. So it's a memoir with life lessons based on his own success and failures in life. And I really, really enjoyed it. So this was definitely a book that I heard about and got to in a timely fashion at the library. I guess uh, there weren't a lot of people on the holds list for it. You know, you have to obviously like something that he's been in. And he's been in a lot of films over the years. So that that's one that I would definitely recommend to people who like to read memoirs. Oh, I love that. I am somebody who also loves a celebrity memoir. I read Demi Moore's memoir earlier this year, and I am still on the wait list for Mariah Carey's waitlist, uh, Mariah Carey's <laughs> memoir. So I love that you're also reading a celebrity memoir. <laughs> for sure. I love them. As far as what I'm reading right now, I am not allowed to say what it is because I'm reading a book for the upcoming season of By the Book. And on that show, my co-host Jolenta and I live by the rules of a different self-help book in each episode. We break down the rules. We follow all of them to the letter. We record ourselves at work and at home and in the world so you can hear how each book enhances or destroys our lives. But we don't announce the books until the season actually starts. So I can't tell you what self-help book I am living by right now, but I'll just say it's a, it's it's pretty magical. But that's all I'll say about it. Um, well, is there anything that you've read earlier this year that you can talk about? Because it's not top, top secret for your podcast that you really enjoyed. Oh, yes. Um, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, I was reading like a monster. I'm not even a fast reader, but I was sometimes reading one or two novels a week, which is incredible for me because, like I said, I'm not a fast reader. I loved Pachinko. I'm not sure if you're familiar mm. with this book that... Um, uh, uh, is it Jin Lee? Mei Jin Lee, I think. Is... Yes, thank you. Thank you. She's the author. And it's this epic that goes for multiple generations across Korea and Japan and tells the story of this family that through uh, war and occupation ended up having to leave their country, live in another country where many generations later they're still considered outsiders and in some cases uh, are living not authentically to the 
to who they are in order to survive and to epic and fantastic. I loved that. And as I also said, I, I've loved the celebrity memoirs I've read this year too. Fantastic. Um, so recently what I've been reading is, um, as longtime listeners of the show will know, I'm a huge graphic novel fan. Um, and so, uh, the newest graphic novel I just read is Dragon Hoops by, uh, Jean Luen Yang. And, uh, I am not a sports fan at all, but this is like a sports book for not sports fans. So he talks all about, he follows this, um, Catholic boys basketball team he was teaching there and he just like ends up kind of falling into this story here of this this basketball team's kind of like trajectory towards the state championships and um history of basketball and kind of like the personal narratives of a lot of the players and the coach and it was just really he does a lot of things but it was really well done and I was glad I didn't pass over it because it was a sports book. It, it was well worth reading, even as someone who knows very little about basketball. I always see that as a good book. If it can get you to actually enjoy something that you're not a fan of. Um, yeah, I'm not a sports person either, but you sold that. Yeah, like the author himself, because his kind of like meta narrative of writing the book was in it as well. And he starts off by talking about how he was kind of like a nerdy kid who loved comic books. And you kind of learn to love basketball as he's learning to love basketball in the narrative. So it really gets buy in when he kind of is like, okay, like I get this as a not sports person, but hear me out because the story is great. <laughs> so. I know I'm spending a lot of more time inside as we all are as the weather gets colder and with, um, you know, lockdown and, and social distancing continuing to be the order of the day. So um, have either of you been watching anything, movies, TV, or YouTube, other online shows, pretty, any, pretty much anything you put your eyes on is fair game for this section. Oh, I got sucked into watching The Crown this season after not finishing last season of The Crown uh, because I knew it would have um, Charles and Diana's um, relationship in there. And of course, I was in high school when their wedding took place. And my best friend in high school, Heidi, was a big uh, Lady Di fan. She had the Lady Di haircut. It looked great on her. It actually still does. <laughs> and, um, no I she doesn't really still have it but I was intrigued by it and it's been very interesting and I have gone online and read like New York Times articles about is this authentic is it not what is true what is false what is but you know I look at it as it's on Netflix it's a tv show it is not a documentary folks so um it's it's been interesting. It's the kind of thing where I'll watch it while I'm eating my lunch or if I need my hands free, if I'm working on a craft project or something. I'm not glued to it, but it, ha it has been interesting. And of course, re-watching Christmas-related movies this month too, because it is December. That's what I like to do. I feel like you and I are the same person, Robin. Oh my gosh. I have been watching The Crown and also did not finish last season um, for nice. the same reason as you, because it's Princess Di. I mean, there are really only two members of the royal family I care about, and they are Princess Di and Meghan Markle. I love them to death. And they are the best. And both of them, let's be real, married down. I mean, these are 
uh, <laughs> smart, sparkly, accomplished, interesting women who, you know, no offense to their husbands, but except to Charles, because he's, you know, Charles is terrible. But yeah, it's fun to watch the season and to cheer for the good person and boo for the bad person. Charles. Yeah. You know, do the whole thing. And so I've been enjoying that. I've been enjoying The Flight Attendant, which is on HBO Max, which is a story of somebody who, she's an unreliable narrator. She drinks heavily. The series starts where she wakes up after uh, sleeping with one of the people who was on one of her flights. He is dead. She doesn't know who murdered him. She's certain it wasn't her, even though she's blacked out everything. And then the rest of the show proceeds from there. So that's very exciting. And I've been watching a holiday movie almost every day starting on November 1st. And I'll continue to do that through January because I'm a holiday movie nut. And nice. also watching lots and lots of movies for my show, Movie Therapy with Rafer and Kristen. So full right in with their life issues. Like my husband and I can't stop fighting because we're trapped in the house together or I hate my roommate and I can't believe I have to be in this house all the time with my roommate or, you know, it's a wide range of quandaries. Some people who've lost pets during the pandemic, some people who've lost jobs and so on. And so the issues really run the gamut and asking for advice and Rafer and I give them a bit of solace, we hope, a little bit of comfort, uh, some confessions of our own, some empathy, and then we assign them a movie and a TV show to watch. So every week as our letters come in, Rafer and I do a lot of our own research and watch lots of TV and movies. So I like to say it's part of my job, so I don't feel bad about the fact that I spend so much time parked in front of the TV. You know, it's kind of required, right? Definitely. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to justify my TV watching with it, it being research for this show and therefore part of my job. Do it. Okay. Do it. I'm going to take a page from your book. And of course, The Flight Attendant, Kristen, is based on the novel by Chris Bojalian. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, we're always all over the books to film or TV adaptation as librarians. We can't help ourselves. I follow a lot of authors online, too. So... I got to say, though, I mean, I don't know if this happens to you guys, but a lot of times when I'm watching a movie first, I'll enjoy it immensely. But if I read the book first and then watch the movie, nine times out of 10, the movie falls short, unless the book was pretty bad in the first place, which um, I'm not necessarily <laughs> talking about you, the Nanny Diaries and Devil Wears Prada. But yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't hold back. Tell us what you really think. <laughs> Taylor, what are you watching these days? Um, so I just finished the newest season of Big Mouth. Uh, I've loved the show since the beginning. Uh, content warning for mature language and themes. So I know that it's not everyone's bag. It's a a very crass show with teenagers like as the protagonist, which can be kind of weird. But I just think it's hilarious. So much of, especially the young girls on the show, so much of their experiences, like middle school girls, I'm just like, yes, that was so relatable. That was me when I was that age. Um, maybe not to the extreme that they have those situations, but some aspect of it is still super relatable. And the fourth season, the third season, I felt like was like a little bit of a letdown. It didn't have, I felt like the energy that the other seasons did, but they came back with season four and it was fantastic. I enjoyed it immensely. We finished it in like two days. There was only, it's a short season. I think it was like maybe 10 episodes, but. Nick Kroll still is like, very funny. Oh my God, he's hilarious. <laughs> 
And he does, like, so many of the voices that you don't realize. He does Nick, and then he does Coach Steve, and then they'll be, and Lola, and there's, like, all these other side characters that are, like, surprise, secretly Nick Kroll. Um, <laughs> nice. But, yeah, so if if you are not offended by crass humor, then I highly recommend Big Mouth, because it is very funny. I love crass. I'm not to tell my husband about that one. And we'll return to the show after a quick break. Looking for a movie to watch? Canopy has over 30,000 feature films and documentaries for you to stream for free. Log in using your Cranston library card and receive eight free play credits each month. That's eight movies every month that you can watch for free. You can watch the 2016 Academy Award-winning film Moonlight, Taika Waititi's horror comedy, What We Do in the Shadows, and many more films today with Canopy. Go to cranstonlibrary.org and click the slider that says online resources you can use now to find the link to sign into Canopy today. Join us on Saturday, January 9th at 3 p.m. for a virtual author visit with Michael Fine as he reads his new book, The Bull and Other Stories. Ten stories about people whose lives are transformed, people who struggle and survive, who see their world through lost hopes, inappropriate loves, and irrational dreams. The author will give a talk and a reading and take questions from the audience. This event is free and open to the public, but registration is required. Please go to cranstonlibrary.org to sign up or contact the library for assistance by emailing central at cranstonlibrary.org. So um, without further ado, let's get into what you both came here to talk about, which is um, self-help books. So I thought we're going towards the end of the year. People are probably starting to think about, you know, their New Year's resolutions and the new year and new beginnings. And I think now more than ever, people want a fresh start in 2021. Um, so what are some self-help books that you guys really enjoyed that you would recommend for people who are looking to turn over a new leaf next year? Mm. One of my favorites that I read when it first came out and I've continued to have a connection was the uh, book, The Happiness Project, or Why I Spent a Year Trying to Sing in the Morning, Clean My Closets, fight, write, read Aristotle, and generally have more fun. And that's written by Gretchen Rubin. And she's since come out with The Happiness at Home and a few other books that are along these same lines of ways to take your own life and make things better in, in um, small ways. For example, one of the tips that she gave in that book that I really liked was set a timer for a project that you don't want to do. So I'll say this to my husband right now. I'll say like, we need to organize that area in the basement. So let's go down there for an hour. I'll set the timer. And when the bell goes off, we pack it up and we go up, back up, do whatever you want, but I need your help for an hour. And those types of little things that can really make a difference or just what you can do in a minute. You can do a lot in a minute if you've been avoiding or putting off doing something. 
you'd be surprised at how much you can get accomplished in a minute. So I really liked that book and it was published in 2009. And according to my Goodreads, where I do track all my reading, something I started in 2007, I read that book in 2010 and I was mentioning uh, to Taylor that I had it in a list of life lessons. I didn't make a category in my Goodreads for self-help. I like to say what that was what I decided to do. I put it as a life lesson book and and it is a good one for people to to take a look at. Um, some people like it, some people hate it, but it's worth a try because like I said, I figure you can get a few things out of it that you may like. Well, full disclosure, Gretchen and I are friends and I used to produce her podcast, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, which she co-hosts with her sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And I agree with you, Robin. One thing that Gretchen really does well with is giving concrete, actionable suggestions that can improve your habits and just, you know, make day-to-day life a little bit easier, a little bit less stressful. Unlike a lot of self-help authors who give you a lot of things to think about, like, if you believe it, you can be it. You know, there's a lot of mush that's out there in the self-help universe, but she actually gives concrete steps. She says, try this and it's not going to work for everybody or try this. And maybe that won't work for everybody either. But she also does something that, you know, a lot of other self-help authors don't do, which is she admits that some things just aren't going to work for everyone. Some things only work for her and so on. So I think that makes her also a much better self-help authors than others out there who almost position themselves as this is the one true way. You know, if you do this, your whole life will be improved. And that's not usually going to be the case with most self-help books based on my experience of living by 60 of them so far. So um, that I've really enjoyed that uh, Jolent and I have lived by so many books on by the book, but um, I, and I will confess here and now, I don't generally like self-help books very much. I am kind of the resident uh, naysayer on by the book. Jolenta loves self-help books. She wants to believe their promises. She honestly believes if she wasn't co-hosting the show with me, she might accidentally join a cult or a pyramid scheme. And I'm very much the person who questions these books and questions the authors. And so um, I'll just say here and now up front that most self-help books I'm kind of lukewarm on, but there are a few that I've enjoyed quite a bit. And one that I think is very fun for the new year, especially because there's a lot of promise in 2021. We have a, a vaccine, hopefully, for that will hopefully be distributed to a lot of us. We have promises that eventually we may hopefully return more to normal. Um, we have a different presidential administration coming in and so on. So um, I think a book that might be good for this changing year ahead is by Shonda Rhimes. Uh, the book is called The Year of Yes. And it's kind of memoir, it's kind of self-help, but it was about how she realized at a certain point she really was sticking in her lane, in her comfort zone, and that that was prohibiting her from really enjoying all the things in life that she could, uh, from enjoying meeting new people, from uh, taking on new challenges. Uh, And so she said for a whole year, she was just going to say yes to things. And one thing that's really fun about the book is also she realizes that there's a certain point that she has to say no. So she doesn't prescribe saying yes as a be all end all. She admits that there's a certain point where yes doesn't work anymore. And we have to just say no, because that's what's going to be best for us. But it's a really fun read because Shonda Rhimes is, of course, delightful. And you can hear her voice on every page and hear her mistakes and hear her adventures. 
and hopefully be a little bit inspired to say yes to life a little bit more as well. Yeah, that sounds like a fantastic pick for the upcoming year. Um, so do we want to get a little bit more into like specific New Year's resolutions? Do, so I know a lot of people tend to want to get healthier in the new year, whether that's exercising more or eating better differently. Um, so do either of you have any recommendations kind of in that vein? Well, the other book, one of the other books that was top of my list that I went through from the ones that I have read over the years, and this was from just two years ago, it's called The Craving Mind, From Cigarettes to Smartphones to Love by Dr. Judson Brewer. And he does a lot with meditation. The subtitle to that is also Why We Get Hooked and How We Can Break Bad Habits. So I really liked that book. I felt it was very helpful with thinking about what it is that you get, what type of satisfaction, because even something like eating healthier, you might be stopped from doing that because you're getting distracted by your smartphone. And you have, a, like me, I have a very, you know, a addiction to sugar. And I always say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. And then it starts up again. And so reading books like this helped me to remind me, help me and remind me of how I can take care of my craving for certain things and think about what I'm actually getting from it. And that's part of what he does. And he has, you know, a very, um, you know, a scientific approach. So again, even if that you don't think that you've got anything that's really got you hooked. I think that, you know, the, the phone is another thing or digital media that what we're getting back in return from that. I've read a lot. I'm sure everybody has read a lot about this if you have an interest in that. Um, so I think that starting out in the right place of, of not trying to get too far ahead of yourself with what you, you know, and I, again, with like a Gretchen Rubin, you want to say something that's measurable. Don't just say, I want to eat healthier. Give it something specific. Like I'll say, I'm going to eat, you know, five fruits and vegetables every day and set it as a goal. And also don't, and know that if you don't meet that goal, that doesn't mean that it's failure that you start again the next day. Don't just throw the whole week out just because you had one off day. There are things like that that I've gotten out of uh, self-help books that I've read over the years. Because pretty much every year goes by where I've read one about diet and exercise. Also, I have read books about healthy eating and diet in terms of not following a specific diet, but ways to improve your diet, substituting healthier choices, you know, using different types of flour instead of white flour, being able to use whole grains and things like that. And I have not as an adult followed a specific diet from a book. I will take things from those and incorporate it. A salad dressing that I got from the zero belly diet that uh, I read probably five years ago, I still use. So different things, just like with Gretchen Rubin's book that I take from that, that I can incorporate into my life. And those are the books that I mentioned. And that's why something like The Craving Mind 
gets you thinking about it in a more general way rather than starting off the year with a diet book. I would not recommend picking up any of the books that have diet in the title. Definitely not not on my radar. <laughs> well, we're in agreement there. Don't don't read a book that has diet in the title. I am not personally a huge fan of books about diet because I feel that they are for the most part set up to uh make us fail. Um, here are a set of rules that are not sustainable for the long term. Maybe I can stick with it for a week or a month or three months. And then what happens after that? And some of these diet books, I won't name names, are really set up exactly for 30 days of torture or one weekend of torture or whatnot. Um, and this is what you're supposed to do um, for that one weekend. And it's supposed to, quote, reset you for your whole life. And it doesn't reset you for your whole life. That's not how eating and living healthy work. It, it just doesn't work that way. So I try to steer clear of diet books, but an episode of uh, By the Book in particular, where we did try to live by a diet book, and it was tremendously terrible for me. And uh, we made a rule then and there, we would never live by a diet book again, because we think that they can be not just emotionally draining and make us feel like failures, but we think diet books are also physically uh, problematic and can be you know, downright dangerous. So we steer clear of those. But I do want to say that we lived by a book this last season of By the Book called This is Where You Belong by Melody Warnick. And mm -hmm. this is an author who, I mean, I, I can't remember the exact language she used. She might have said she was addicted to moving. She had this cycle that she lived by where she would build up a place in her head. That's going to be better than where I live now. I have no mm -hmm. friends here. I don't feel fulfilled. But I'm going to move to this other place and my whole life will change. And then within two years, she would move again and again and again. And she had moved her husband and kids, I think, seven times in 15 years. And she said, no, I'm going to, at this point, do a bunch of research, find out how I can actually enjoy this place I just moved to that I hate. On day one, I hated this place, but I'm going to find a way to love it. And one bit of advice she came upon early on was that we tend to be happier and healthier when we walk where we live. And we have a better sense of where things are in relation to each other. Part of it is that we feel closer to the things um, physically that we're walking by and walking near. We have a greater likelihood of running into our neighbors. And when we're enjoying the endorphins of our bodies moving and so on, that also increases our enjoyment. And so I really loved that. I'm already somebody who loves to walk. But I felt that that book gave people even more of a reason to get out there and enjoy walking, enjoy using their bodies. If if not walking, then uh, in your wheelchair or on your bike or, you know, any other way you can get yourself out of a car and actually be out there and be in contact with people. And I think sometimes that's the best advice we can give people for improving their health is to also think about all of the other benefits beyond that one thing. Like, what else are we going to get out of it? And she definitely did that, even though her book would never be considered a health book. I felt that was a really important thing to think about. There was just an article published about how walking leads to happiness. And one of the, from one of the books that I've read over the years about improving your overall health and well-being, it talked about, you know, s s tell yourself, I'm just going to do this for 20 minutes. And if you can get out there and go in 20 minutes, you're done, turn around and go back home. But that, getting into that habit because most of the time, and I would say I'm definitely a good example of this, once I get started, I'm fine with it. And then I'm actually like kicking myself, realizing when I look at the clock, oh, I should have gotten up sooner. I could have done 
done more um, if I had thought about it. But I think that small, small bites, all these things where you can just say to yourself, I am going to take a walk today. You got to just start. Oh, absolutely. I would say that's totally true with me where a task that I've been putting off for six months, for example, <laughs> then I'll sit down and do it. It's like, this only took 10 minutes, 10 minutes and six months. And, you know, I could have just done this differently if I would have not been that inertia person because, you know, a body at rest tends to stay at rest. But just as you were saying, Robin, that first step of just like, once you're doing it, it's usually fine. It's just that talking ourselves into doing it is sometimes, at least for me, uh, mm -hmm. that's the struggle. The struggle is actually, you know, putting on the walking shoes and getting out there, I know, for some people. And uh, it is for me for lots of things, too. In the last year, I started, I call it run walking. Other people call it interval running. And I'll do a mix of, you know, run a couple blocks, walk a block, run a couple blocks, walk a block, and so on. And the beginning is all you have to do is run half a mile today. And I thought, you know what, eventually, once I get used to doing this, I'll challenge myself to say, you only have to run two miles. And now I've been doing it for six months. And I don't say that to myself. I still say every day to myself, three days a week or so, I try to do this. I say to myself, you only have to do half a mile because I never got to the point where you have to only do two miles seemed reasonable to me. Sometimes it's just like, I got to put on my running shoes and get out there. Yeah, I totally run into the getting started and doing something is the real obstacle. And Robin, when you were saying before about um, setting a timer, I was thinking about that it wasn't quite setting a timer, but I had heard advice before that was very similar to what you had just said about like, just just do it, say that you're going to do a task for 10 minutes. Because um, for me, a big thing is is cleaning is like, I can't get myself to like get going to to do whatever cleaning tasks are required yeah. around the house. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to clean for 10 minutes. So I'm going to start by loading the dishwasher. And then it's like, even if even if I decide that day, okay, the 10 minutes in the dishwasher is 10 minutes is done and the dishwasher is loaded. And that's the only thing I accomplish. At least now the dishwasher is loaded, where before I had none of that and just looked at everything that I needed to do. So I think that's a very helpful approach because yeah, you get, you get over that problem with inertia when you frame it like that. And I would also have to say for me, a couple of the ways that I've helped to improve, to set myself going with um, meditation and tracking what I eat are, have been using some of the apps out there, some of the free apps or very inexpensive apps. Uh, meditation was one that another book, uh, Pema Chodron's Don't Bite the Hook, Finding Freedom from Anger, Resentment, and Other Destructive Emotions was an audio book that I had that was probably one of my top self-help books that I listened to over the past few years. And doing, people always say they want to meditate and everyone thinks you've got to have these big, long meditation sessions, but it can just be five minutes. And if you don't like to use apps, that's fine. Set your timer and just sit there and breathe and focus on your breathing for five minutes. And I think that has helped me a lot. I think it's helped with my blood pressure and overall health. Um, so there is, uh, you know, you can set timers. There's all sorts of uh, little apps that can help you. If you want that, if you like that type of uh, tracking and also the feedback, because uh, something else, if you get satisfaction out of through knowing that you've done this task or this 
set this goal and you've met your goal every day for the past 200 days, 100 days, 20 days, then the apps work nicely for that. So, and I am that person and I do get a feeling of satisfaction that I have an unbroken streak of weeks where I've used my um, workout app and I know that some days it's only been 10 minutes of stretching, but it still gives me satisfaction to know that I set the goal and I've done it. So do you have any recommendations of free apps for helping with meditation or things like that? Because I know a lot of those have paywalls. They do. And one of them that I use the free version of is called My Life. And it has, you'll see that each day, and it actually allows you a daily check-in. And, but it, there is a free version and a paid version. And I've been using the free version since the beginning of the year. And it's been working fine for me. Um, you don't have as much of a choice with the different meditations, but I think it's a good one. So that's definitely a good one for meditation that people might want to take a look at. So, um, Kristen, you've talked a lot already about your show by the book and that you've lived by, did you say 60 self-help books? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right. Wow. So out of all of, I know it's probably, but then you're the self-help skeptic. So maybe it is easy for you to pick a favorite, but it was there one book that stood out to you that you really enjoyed living by and maybe continued living by after the two weeks? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is also confirmation bias. Um, there's a book called Why Good Things Happen to Good People. And it is a book that's really about going into the world and committing acts of kindness and treating each other decently why that doesn't just make a better world that makes all of us happy, but it gives us individual endorphin rushes and makes us happy. And so when we, for example, um, Jolenta, my co-host during that book, she started helping women with strollers up and down the subway stairs. And each time she did that, not only did it make the woman and the child feel better, but it would give her a momentary jolt of joy just by doing that. So it can be something as small as that. It can be something much bigger, like being an organizer in a charity or uh, stepping out there and doing something that you believe is really important um, in an activist sense in the world. And that can make us feel better because now we're doing even more concrete things to create a world that is happier and more equitable and treats us all better. So I love those kinds of outward facing books that challenge us not just to look inward, but to look outward, to not just think about self-care, but think about community care. Those are my very favorite kinds of self-help books. Um, so that the book that probably benefited Jo Lenta the most was a book that I chose that she didn't really want to live by in the beginning. It's by Dr. Shad Helmstetter called What to Say When You Talk to Yourself. And Jo Lenta is somebody who will hundreds of times a day, she had to keep track in the beginning of the book, you have to track yourself. She would refer to herself as a garbage person. Oh, I'm such a loser. I'm so stupid. Look at my fat ass. You know, And she would just say so many things a day about herself. And this is something that a lot of us do, particularly women in our society. Uh, we're taught to kind of, you know, not sound like we're braggarts or not sound too important or maybe, you know, diminish our accomplishments or put ourselves down or we'll be more likable if we're self-effacing. But there comes a point where that isn't just words in the world anymore. Those are ideas and beliefs in our hearts. And so the book tries to train us to treat ourselves differently, to say kind things rather than say, oh, I'm the worst dancer out here to say like, yeah, I am the best dancer at this wedding. Check it out. 
here I am. Yes, a pound funk is on and I'm doing that thing with my leg. Yeah. I mean, there are so many ways to be joyous and not talk about ourselves in a negative way. And that book was so fun. And I would say of all the books we've lived by on the show, that from more people after that book that said, I went out and I bought the book after your show than any other book we've lived by. And it happens with many books we live by. People write in and say, oh, I bought the book after hearing you guys talk about it. But this one in particular struck such a chord that even the author reached out to us and said, uh, your episode resulted in this major uptick in sales of my book that came out 30 years ago. His book is not anything recent, but it's such a good book. And, um, and we ended up interviewing him and he was so kind and he really believes that all of us are kind too, but we're not kind to ourselves, but we have it in us to be kinder to ourselves and to be kinder to everybody else. But um, it's it's really a spectacular book and it's a great thing to practice to just be, you know, as, as we deserve to be, which for all of us, it's, you know, we all deserve kindness, don't we? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I think those are some wonderful self-help books to leave off on. So before we finish up we always end the show with the segment that I call the last chapter where we talk about a bookish or library related question and we talk about it just to give our opinions not to give any definite answers on the internet um so if anyone listening would like to submit a topic for the last chapter they can do so by emailing us at downtime at cranstonlibrary.org and so this week my question for both of you is what book or series would you love to see turned into a movie or TV show and why? Hmm. Oh. <laughs> and I know, Kristen, you said about the, the movie sometimes being a letdown when you read the book first. So let's let's caveat that if it does get turned into a movie or TV show, that it's a very good adaptation that <laughs> well done. Might be because we were talking about The Crown earlier, but I really want Finding Freedom. This is the book about Meghan and Harry, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, uh, leaving the their royal post to pursue a life as commoners like the rest of us. It's a great book. It tells you know their story of trying to help the world and be something bigger than just what their titles are. And I, I would love to see this dramatized into maybe a 20 to 40 part series that I can watch every day for the next year. I, I just would love that. Finding Freedom. Yes. That's my choice. Wow. Yeah. Going all in on the Royals today, huh, Kristen? Host a Royals podcast, too. I should, full disclosure, admit that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. That's, it's a, that's a really interesting question because I'm not watching as much stuff as a lot of people in the world right now. And But I am in my office at the library, and there's a book that I have on my shelf that I read earlier this year, uh, Lady Clementine by Marie Benedict, and that is the wife of Winston Churchill. And I thought it was really interesting because we learn, we hear so much about Winston Churchill, and this is fictionalized. So again, it would be like The Crown, but I think it would be really interesting to get her story made into a movies or a miniseries because I just found it was fascinating the, to think of this woman who had lived with this very powerful man and basically what she had to go through in life. So um, that's what I'll say. Uh, Lady Clementine by Marie Benedict. I don't know if, I don't think any of her novels or all the, any of her historical fiction have been turned into films yet, but 
she's she's a good writer and definitely I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. Um, can I just ask for a spoiler? Is he a terrible husband? It's um pretty rough sledding there for uh Clementine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he did suffer from depression and so there was some stuff going on and she had her own stuff going on. So you'd like the book, Kristen. You'll have to try reading it. Or listen I'll have to, to check it out. I'm intrigued. Yeah. I'll check it out. Okay. All right. So I feel like my pick is going to be thematically very different than both of your picks. And I don't know if I would want it to be a movie or TV. Whatever that director and producer team thought they could do it the most justice by doing. But um, would be the Uglies series by Scott Westerfield. It's a young oh, adult yeah. series. And yeah, it's not, it's, it's kind of older as young adult series go. It hasn't come out somewhat recently, but it was like the first dystopian like speculative fiction that I had read that was like my gateway drug to dystopian fiction and and reading also it was like the series that got me to read I was a reluctant reader shock horror because now I'm a librarian but I was when I was young until middle school when one teacher was just like hey read this like cool thing that examines human nature in the future and I'm like okay I didn't know books could be like this Nice. Um, yeah, so it's just a really interesting world and an interesting protagonist that she goes through a lot through the whole series. And yeah, it really just makes you think about like human nature and, and yeah, so I would love to see that whole kind of sci-fi distant future world brought to life. And there's been a lot of rumors of like, oh, it's, it's got bought by this, per, you know, this company or whatever, and they're going to be a movie, but I've yet to hear anything definitive, so. Yeah, that's interesting. That, that book series came out when I was a teen librarian. It had its heyday at that point, but they're still around. Those were published back, like, starting in 2005, I think, and Scott Westerfeld has done some interesting uh, books over the years, so. That's a really cool choice. I love it that it was something that had such a big influence on you. That's great. All right. Well, thank you both for joining me for another fabulous episode. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Quick note to our listeners. This is the last episode that we're recording in 2020. And we're taking a short break for the holidays. So the next two episodes, you will still have things in your podcast feed from our sister podcast, roadie radio so look out for that and we'll see you all in 2021 this has been another episode of downtime downtime is a production of the cranston public library our theme music is day trips by ketza and our ad music is happy ukulele by scott holmes links to the books and movies discussed can be found in the show notes to find out everything your library can do for you, visit our website at cranstonlibrary.org. Downtime with Cranston Public Library is on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you find your podcasts. Subscribe so you never miss an episode. Join us next week for more Downtime. And that's it. Oh, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. and. Uh, I just love librarians.